Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. The dilemma that we face, ladies and gentlemen, in these trying times is um, how do we get the truth out in an era when you have big tech fact-checking and squashing free speech at every turn? We are competing against big media, big sports, big entertainment, big college, big pharma, and there are countless other bigs, if you will, bombarding you and I with agenda-driven propaganda masquerading as fact. Uh, How do we fight against this um, and not feel like we are just simply squashing locusts with a tennis racket. It does seem to be rather daunting, doesn't it? Well, I have a, a simple answer for you, and that is the Bible. The Bible is true. The Bible is timeless. It is unwavering, unchanging. And contrary to what you may hear, all of the issues of the day and all of the problems we face in our culture the answers to those problems are the Bible. And first and foremost, we as Christ followers are charged with spreading the gospel. And if we spread that gospel, once people receive it and grow in Christ, if you will, they will be able to perhaps return to um, an era where when I grew up, and I'm not that old, I'm in my 50s, I'm not old, not young, where in general, people had street smarts. Um, They could smell a rat. If something didn't smell right, you really didn't have to be all that intelligent uh, or pay attention to the issues of the day to really say, yeah, that, that that doesn't smell right. Um, It was an era of common sense. Um, People, regardless of intellect, had a small degree uh, of uh, deductive reasoning skills. Everybody had those. You you really didn't need to be all that bright uh, or a detective to, to be raised in a manner where your parents taught you and your teachers taught you and your pastors and and other people at the church taught you how to smell a rat, how to look at life in a commonsensical way. And uh, all of the aforementioned things are are very much lost today. Um, And a return to the Bible would certainly improve the situation wholeheartedly. Uh, Secondly, and a distant second to that, but no um, important is uh, the Constitution. Uh, The Constitution is something that most of us are very uh, illiterate on. It is not taught in schools. I remember um, a really long time ago, I uh, gave a third grade teacher um, 30 pocket constitutions to disseminate to their children. And she was kind of an old school teacher, and I thought I was on pretty safe ground. And not only did she disseminate those to her students when she was teaching them about the history of this country, 
The students uh, wrote me uh, a letter thanking me for my donation to the class and how much they all appreciated their pocket constitutions. If you think in any way, shape, manner, or form you could do that today in the public school, and this was not all that long ago, um, you're crazy. Uh, not only could you not do that, but if you look at the curriculum in junior high and high school, when people are, when kids are taught about this country, nary a mention of the Constitution. And if there is a mention of the Constitution, it certainly isn't any deep dive, if you will. Uh, it's, it's not like we're going to uh, discuss the various, um, you know, amendments of the Constitution or the nuances of the Constitution. None of that is in play. So you have kids today that have grown up and totally, um, they, they may realize that there was, is a constitution, but as far as, uh, what it is, the fact that it is the glue that holds this whole American experiment together is, is certainly missed by kids today. And, um, it does beg the question, and, and, and I get as inundated, or excuse me, as um, intimidated and discouraged as anybody, particularly in these times with the rampant voter fraud and the abject ignorance. I, I've discussed on this show several times people I have spoken to in the community that are older. They have advanced college degrees. They're very, very smart. And as my friend Gary always tells me, brains do not uh, equal um, common sense. And he is correct. There, there are many people that have advanced degrees and they're very, very intelligent on the IQ scale. And these individuals, Hunter Biden, what's a Hunter Biden? I, I don't know anything about Hunter Biden. And, and that's pretty common. That is not unusual. And when we look at the landscape of uh, fact checkers and intelligent people that don't know the Hunter Biden story, which I think is a pretty easy, basic, big story to follow and understand, it, it can be very overwhelming. Like, uh, how do we move the needle forward and, and improve this country if individuals and in various demographics are just, they seem to be um, truth challenged or impervious to suggestion when truth is being um, put before them. And that's why I suggest the Bible. The Holy Spirit does a much better job than you and I could ever do in talking about the issues of the day, uh, softening, tenderizing, if you will, hearts. Um, and that is, first and foremost, a, a, a good place to start, um, not just so this culture improves, so your eternal destiny will be uh, improved or, or um, set in stone, if you will. That is, that is why, first and foremost, you should give your life to Jesus Christ. But a um, secondary tertiary byproduct of that is the principles that are within the covers of the Bible will certainly 
open your eyes to many things. And uh, we have a big problem out there and it's very challenging. And I, I refer back to my friend, Gary, you know, Gary has an approach that um, I think all of us should kind of take. Um, I tend to look at the world and try to save the world and put this big piano on my shoulders and, and get real discouraged when um, at the end of the day, I just hear bad news after bad news. Or if I uh, do a Google search on something to try to find the truth, the first 12 um, uh, things that I see are refuting things that I know to be true. Uh, I get very discouraged and Gary has a different approach. He identifies uh, what his skill sets are. He identifies five individuals annually and he just pours into them, builds relationships with them and um, doesn't have this scattergun approach that many of us have and I seem to have and it's effective for him. He does not get discouraged if it seems like the whole population has just lost their mind. He continues to pour into individuals, young and old, and he gets some traction doing that. And it's an effective way to do it. And it's a good way to keep your sanity as well and keep from being discouraged, um, as many of us are. Now, if you, if you look at the various demographics out there, there are many challenges within those demographics to impart the truth. And they you have to come at it with all different angles and all different skill sets. You can't do a one size fits all sledgehammer approach because it may work with a small percentage of people, but it may not work with um, many other people. So we have like kids between the ages of like five and 18. They are in largely the public school system. Now, conservatives advocate for uh, private schools and charter schools and home schools. And all of those things will improve the situation because our public schools, even our good ones, have really missed the mark and have really um, been very guilty of what I call not encouraging thought. Um, in my opinion, an educator's primary role in the life of a, uh, of a young student, five years old, 18 years old in school is to encourage thought. And as I said on my last show, a lot of this slide started happening probably about 30 years ago, but happened in earnest about 20 years ago with George W. Bush and his uh, No Child Left Behind initiative where teachers started teaching to the test because they and their students were being judged on what grade they got on various subject matter. Now, that, that is a very dangerous uh, phenomenon, which has um, really snowballed in the last 20 years. So teachers don't teach kids how to think anymore. And just talk to any young person and they could be of varying intellect or varying economic strata, or they could be good church going kids or whatever. 
and and try to talk to them about anything and their deductive reasoning skills regardless of intellect or any of the aforementioned things really leave a lot to be dis, um, desired and it's really quite sad and it is a function of not being encouraged to think so if your kids are in the public school system at the least when you are home or when you select a church to go to or select a youth program within that church to send your kids to, you better be confident that your skills and the skills of the individuals that are mentoring your children are such that they ask open-ended questions and they encourage your children to think. Because if they don't, we're just um, left with a bunch of sheep. We're, we're left with 20-year-old healthy kids going down the Pennsylvania Turnpike in a car um, on a long ride. They're not jumping off and going into one establishment or another. There is no one in that car immunocompromised. And they are wearing a mask for an hour and a half ride on a Pennsylvania Turnpike in a closed car. That's insane. That is void of thought. That is a very, very sad individual. Either they have been taught to be fearful by their parents, or they have just been propagandized by the health department, the teachers, the their parents, perhaps, the media, that you better wear your mask going 70 miles an hour down the Pennsylvania Turnpike with no one in your car. I mean, if that doesn't tell you um, that we have a daunting task ahead of us, I don't know what does. Um, I, I see kids walking to school, um, you know, and, and they're they're in uh, rural areas and there's nothing around these children but trees and bushes and no people and they have a mask on and there's nothing but birds and trees and uh, somebody told them that they got to wear that mask and I know they're young, but you got to start thinking at some point in time in your life. And so we have a challenge with our kids to encourage thought. And that starts at home. And secondarily, that starts uh, that that is furthered at the church you go to and the Sunday school or youth group within that church. Um, they have to encourage free thinking and if they don't, we're in trouble. So we have a whole crop of kids that are coming into adulthood that have been conditioned to be taught to the test, memorize the certain answers to the test, not think critically about anything. Um, and this is a problem. And if they do indeed make it to college, then you know, we have to start deprogramming them. Now, on to big college. That's where the propagandizing continues. And those of us that have put children through college or are going to do it are just profoundly offended that to the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars. We send our kids to these colleges to be propagandized and Worse yet, if they have been taught some degree of free thinking, that free thinking is 
shouted down in spades in um you know these these free speech zones which are not free speech zones uh, conservatives and Christians that go to speak in college campuses are shouted down and terrorized by Antifa and others. And what used to be heretofore a repository of free thought and deductive reasoning and the free exchange of ideas, uh, i.e. our college campuses, are now uh, areas where you can be expelled and many children have for exercising free thought and not only expelled, but prosecuted because your free thought is offensive to one group or another. This is some chilling stuff. So think long and hard of how much money and where you send your children, because if you don't, that, um, that demographic, uh, that, that problem that your kids had between the ages of five and 18 will continue into young adulthood. You know, we're we're talking about kids 18 to 30, you know, if they have full blown, um, whatever you want to call all of this that I'm saying up until the age of 22, 23 years old, and then they go in the workforce, um, they're simply just trying to figure it out. You know, their, their first paycheck gets uh, an enormous, chunk of taxes taken out of it and all of us as parents have gotten that call like what's going on i thought i was going to make all this money did a little simple math and oh my god i'm not going to make all this money well welcome to the world of taxes don't vote for democrats so kids are just trying to make it they're just trying to figure this thing out and then we enter all the bigs that I have alluded to earlier, big media, big sports, big entertainment. They just graduated from big college. Um, and there are a number of other bigs that are bombarding your young adult children and shaping them and molding them and further exploiting the fact that they have no deductive reasoning skills. And now they're working and they want to keep their job, so they better stop thinking and better start thinking the way their employer wants them to think or their co-workers want, their woke co-workers want them to think. And then the problem continues because if you're making a good amount of money, you don't want to speak up. You don't want to offend your employer or co-workers. So you just sit on your hands, stuff a sock in your mouth, and when you see wrong all around you, you can't say anything about it. So the muzzling, if you will, uh, the, the, uh, squelching of free speech continues. Now I am not a big fan of people going to work and, um, you know, proselytizing or airing their opinions. I think that's rather stupid, but, um, that is far and away different than many of the things that are happening in workforces around um, America now with HR coming in and quote unquote teaching employees how to think and how to act in a way that is thoroughly inconsistent with the word of God or any logical thought heretofore. So we have that problem. These kids are busy, distracted. They've grown up. 
watching CNN or MSNBC or uh, the Huffington Post or whatever, um, Googling this or that for their information rather than uh, thinking about it or cracking a book, which is a lost art. They wouldn't know where to go for the truth. Um, Many of them, if they were raised in a Christian home, the statistics are if they do not have good, solid mentors when they go off to college and young adulthood, uh, 75% of them will, will drift and sometimes drift uh, pretty far away from whatever foundation you laid. So they are well off to the races in getting it wrong, not thinking, um, and they are ripe for the evil one to just steer them and guide them wherever he would like to do, go. And that's really problematic. Now you have another demographic of, of people that quote unquote have figured it out and they're starting to get some traction in this thing called life with their job and their wife and their kids and their mortgage and their car payments. And they're between the ages of 30 and 60. And those individuals are again, challenged to find truth. Again, if they do not know Christ, they are severely hamstrung because any Bible study or any uh, education they are getting on Sunday is not there. And they're also tired, distracted, compromised. Um, uh, They're worrying about their spouse. They're worrying about their kids. They're worrying about keeping a roof over their head and paying a myriad of bills, taxes, everywhere and in every conceivable way. So um, here to four, a lot of stay-at-home moms can't stay at home, not because of reckless spending on the part of one family or another, but just to pay the tax man. So um, the state is raising your children as far as uh, uh, the school is concerned and, and several other entities. And you're just trying to keep your head above water. Um, you, you try to have a, if you are a Christian, you try to have a little time with God, uh, 1030 at night and you pray for two and a half people. And in seven minutes you're snoring and then you get up and you do it again. Um, try talking to that person about media outlets that are propagandizing and, 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 uh, disseminating falsehoods or uh, the dreaded fact checkers, which we will get to in a moment, a very interesting article I stumbled upon. And they'll look at you cross-eyed. You know, I used to back again to my friend, Gary, Gary lives in the inner city and I used to have these discussions with Gary. This is when I thought Fox was great. And that was many, many years ago. Fox is not great, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So I would say, you know, why can't these individuals just, we all have dishes and satellite this and cable that. Why don't they just throw Fox on and and hear the truth? And he looked at me cross-eyed. When people are trying to keep their head above water and their kids are screwing up in school and their boss is yelling at them, they're underemployed, undereducated, living in a bad area, and they're taxed to death and the quote-unquote rigors of life are just beating them down. They don't care about Fox News. They don't care about um, all the various uh, stories on Fox News or the truth or whatever, even though it directly affects them and their family. 
They're just trying to keep their head above water. So you have this demographic between 30 and 60 that are just trying to make it. How do we crack them? How do we talk truth to them? How do we build relationships with those people um, and, and, and show them the error of their ways if, they're, if they are even accessing news, if it's the wrong website or the wrong news entity? How do we even do that? It, it's challenging. Then we have that uh, demographic that it's it's extraordinarily challenging to crack the uh, people from 60 to 80 years old. And that's a lot of people. And, and as they say, 60 is the new 40, 80 is the new 60. These are not people that are all that compromised mentally and physically. We in, in the United States of America, we have some pretty vigorous individuals mentally and physically between the ages of 60 and 80, but physiology would tell you they're tired. So um, a lot of them are low tech and you tell them to do this on their phone and that and go to this website or uh, access this podcast or tap on this app and you'll get this and that guy will tell you the truth and stay away from this person. They look at you with their eyes glazed over, even if they are have the ability to access those things. How, how do we how do we talk to those individuals? Many of those individuals do have something that the aforementioned demographics do not possess, and that is called street smarts and common sense and the ability to deductively reason. Um, they were raised, uh, you know, they were born, if you will, between 1940 and 1960, and um, it was a different world then. And if something didn't smell right, it didn't smell right. And you knew it. And those individuals look at some of the same things that many uh, other people in this country look at and they shake their head and they say, that's not right. And young people say, what are you talking about, grandma? You don't know what the heck you're talking about. Well, they do know what they're talking about because they may be tech challenged and they may not know to go to the uh, Washington Examiner, if you will, or Newsmax or whatever. I'm not trying to promote any entity that may or may not disseminate truth. But when you say that, they may not know how to do that, but they do know how to smell a rat. And this election, um, you know, Donald Trump uh, getting thoroughly uh going to be careful here with my verbiage, um, screwed, if you will, in the urban areas of this country where um, fraud has been just uncovered, unearthed, chronicled to the nth degree. And if you do what I do, I, I you know, travel the community and oftentimes a television set is on and you hear some propagandist from one of the cable outlets or the, the major news, uh, CBS, ABC, NBC saying, you know, Donald Trump, give it up. You're just a dictator trying to hold on to power. There is no evidence of wrongdoing in this election. Well, that defies comprehension. It defies comprehension. And that uh, aforementioned demographic of folks between 60 and 80, they know 
that that's a ridiculous statement, even if they don't pay attention to the news perhaps as, as well or as deeply as they should. They know that's not true. Accidentally, you know when somebody is boarding up a window so election observers cannot see what's going on, that's wrong. You don't need um, a 24-year-old snot-nosed fact checker to tell you that's wrong. When a court tells a law enforcement entity here's a piece of paper, let these people in and let them get within six feet to see what the heck is going on. And the sheriff in the city of Philadelphia wipes his butt with the order. You know that's wrong. You don't have to be an expert on election politics or election law or federal violations of this or that. If a court order has been served to a law enforcement agent who is guarding the door where nefarious things are happening and the law enforcement agent looks back and says, that ain't how we do it in Philly, that's wrong. You don't need to be a a genius to know that's wrong. When dead people vote, that's wrong. When people that don't reside in a state vote, that's wrong. When machines are delivered to polling places with thousands of votes already on them. That's wrong. When signatures don't match up and nobody asks or nobody cares, that's wrong. When IDs are not checked, that's wrong. Do you need me to go on and on and on? I don't think you do. You don't need to go to the Washington Examiner or Fox News or anywhere to know that those things are fundamentally wrong. And in the culture today, the two plus two equals four logic that I just spewed out for the last five minutes is in some way missed by a very huge swath of people. And it's missed because you have bubble-headed idiots on television telling you Donald Trump should give it up And there is no proof of widespread voter fraud when indeed there are. There are thousands of individuals in this country that have signed sworn affidavits uh, with risking perjury if they're lying, a federal offense, a felony. And they're telling you that they were ordered to do things that were wrong. And so... It, it, it's it's pretty amazing to me. If you guys want to uh, pray an effective prayer, if, if you feel like I do, like we're just swatting down locusts and we're not getting any traction and the clock is tick, tick, ticking until December 5th on this election fraud thing, pray this. Pray because our Lord knows everything. The hairs on my head and your head are numbered. He knows where the fraud occurred. He knows how many votes were out there for Donald Trump, how many for Joe Biden. He knows every single individual in this country and in foreign countries, I might add, that have perpetrated wrong on our system and have done wrong things and illegal things and things that would and you know send many individuals to jail. He knows who did them. 
He knows who ordered other people to do them. He knows every single instance of that. So if you want to pray an effective prayer, pray that those individuals and innocent individuals that were just ordered to do things and didn't have the courage to stand up, pray that they are burdened heavily to go forward to authorities and state their case. And people have done that to the tune of thousands of individuals that is not reported in the mainstream media. But if that thousand turns into 5,000, turns into 20,000, maybe we'll get some traction here. The Lord will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. And I said in a few shows ago, we don't exactly know what that looks like. What we would as conservatives uh, and probably more importantly, uh, lovers of the Constitution and the process of elections in this country, free and open and honest elections. What we hope for is um, that truth will prevail. And if we love the Constitution, we want this process to unfurl. And, you know, God asks us to uh, ask him for the desires of our heart. Is the desire of our heart, if we don't think Joe Biden is good for this country, to get this wrapped up in a nice, neat package by December 5th and have this election overturned? Yeah, it is. However, if it doesn't go down that way, don't think that the Bible is not true. And don't think that the mocking of God has been allowed. Um, God knows the beginning from the end. And his ways, many times, are not our ways. So if this thing does not get wrapped up the way you or I would like it to be wrapped up, do not think that all of the perpetrators of fraud and deceit and chicanery and illegality and just flat out wrong have gotten away with it because a byproduct of all uh, to a, to a minimal uh, extent a byproduct of all these lawsuits will be a glaring light on how screwed up our election um, are in many entities, many states, but particularly in our urban areas. And if Donald Trump wins or loses, it doesn't matter as far as victories for the Constitution are concerned, because at the least, a glaring light and some sanitizing of these nasty, dirty processes that are going on um, in, in the cities is at least being uncovered. Now, does big tech or big media or whatever you want to call them, are they trying as hard as they can to uh, throw cold water on that in a cold blanket or a wet blanket? Yes, they are. If you look up election fraud and Google it, if you will, yeah, the first 12 things you'll see are from entities that say, nothing wrong here, nothing to see here, don't believe your eyes. Uh, when there's video out there, don't believe your eyes. We'll tell you what's true. We'll tell you what to believe. Um, you know, just don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear from testimony. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you what's going on. 
that's the first 12, 15, 20 line items when you Google election fraud. And so, again, do we, we have to return to street smarts. We have to return to instinct. We have to return to deductive reasoning. We have to believe our eyes and our ears, what we see and we hear. We're being encouraged to not believe a video that shows um, widespread voter fraud or hear testimony that chronicles widespread voter fraud. We are, we've been told, don't believe your senses. And how whacked is that, that we have a very large chunk of the populace that is willing to check those God-given senses at the door and just not believe them and just go with what MSNBC tells us or Fox for that matter. Fox has really fallen off the rails in, in just many uh, ways. Not surprising to me, have not been a big Fox fan for a long time. There are certain people on Fox that I do thoroughly respect, but as an entity, um, they have gone south on the truth. This fair and balanced crap that they talk about has, um, they have abandoned that uh, several years ago. So, um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and advertise for one entity or another. I will tell you that the Holy Bible will never steer you wrong. And I will also tell you that the Constitution will never steer you wrong. And as it pertains to um, one of the stories we get to, I will, I will uh, remind you by reading it what the First Amendment says. But I, but I will end this segment with this. If you feel like you, as I do often, uh, you are whacking uh, locusts with a tennis racket, for every victory you have talking to somebody about good versus evil, or you feel you're making traction in educating someone, uh, I'm telling you, you can get 10 stories after that that'll discourage you and you think like, hey, I'm just one little flea on this big blue marble of 8 billion people. Um, let me tell you a little story. And this happened several years ago, but it, it rings true today. Um, I had, um, as many of you know, I, I was a Republican for a while, but I abandoned the Republican Party because it was basically Democrat light and I saw no point in it. Um, but that did not stop in the municipality I lived in the local Republicans inviting me to their meetings and asking me for help with, um, you know, strategy or um, getting certain people elected. And um, I think some of them knew I wasn't a Republican anymore. Some of them didn't. But uh, anyway, the point of my story is we lived several years ago in a municipality that was a country rural area the board of supervisors were um, pretty solid conservative Republicans and things cruised along pretty well as they should. People left me the heck alone and um, I was very happy with that. And then what started happening is the same phenomenon that's happening in municipalities and regions and states all across this country. People from blue states and blue state areas and in, in, uh, Connecticut and all these places are plopping down and finding themselves in um, 
what used to be called flyover country or thoroughly red country where there's goats and chickens and horses and people that care about low taxes and gun ownership and and, uh, people that go to church, all that stuff, right? And they would find themselves in the middle of these areas and they'd look around and they'd say, well, this is good, but um, I think I'll make it better. I'll run for whatever. And what started happening right under the noses of the hardworking people in this rural community was flaming leftists and statists and, and all sorts of other things that are not good for any municipality, but can, uh, particularly in a rural area, which is not used to those things. Um, they started getting elected to school boards and uh township supervisor positions and dog catcher this and dog catcher that. And uh, pretty soon our municipality started changing with regulation and higher taxes and just basically um, the nonsense that migrates to these areas when people from other areas come in and try to screw up a good thing, if you will. So there was a, um, a candidate that wanted to, um, I mean, very, very quickly from three supervisors that were Republican conservatives, we went to three supervisors that were liberal Democrats and it didn't take all that long. And one Republican won a victory. And so it was kind of two to one. And another person was retiring due to scandal. What a surprise. And um, there was a uh, an election for township supervisor in this very, very, very small community. And the point I'm trying to make here is um, I was not a Republican. I am not a Republican. But they asked me to do a little meet and greet. And I vetted the candidate and I liked the candidate. And the candidate was very new to politics and um, very nervous, uh, but just a solid person. Um, didn't know the issues of the day backwards, forwards, and sideways, but just a solid, honest, decent person. So I said, yeah, I'll do a little meet and greet for this person. And I, uh, I stuffed some mailboxes in my community and in opened up my home, which uh, I don't know if I would do that today, but this was several years ago, and um, had a little wine and cheese and meet and greet for this person. And it was attended by about a dozen people. You know, I wanted more than that, maybe 20 or 30, but, you know, it was attended by a dozen people. And many of the people in the room were of the same ilk, Um, not necessarily political, voted in presidential elections, but not off-year elections, which this was one of, and um, we're just curious, like new to the area, what's going on, what are you all about, I'll meet you, and they came, it was polite, no pressure, person got up and spoke, she was a political novice, so she was... um, you know, nervous, but just kind of got her point across. This is me. This is what I believe in. Love to meet you and talk to you about the issues. And um, if you uh, are inclined to come out to vote in a few weeks, 
love to earn your vote. It was very simple. And that was the demographic that, that showed up at my house that night. Nobody was a rabid Republican or Democrat. There were just some interested people interested in their community. They had kids, etc. Fast forward to the day after the election, I find out that this particular candidate who I did a simple meet and greet for nothing, you know, exorbitant ends up winning the election by seven votes. Okay. Now I I could pat myself on the back and say all seven came from my living room and and that could very well be the case. But I, I would think that if it did or it didn't, at least my meet and greet bought her um, a few more votes, if not the seven that she needed to defeat her wildly liberal Democrat opponent. And and the reason I I kind of relay this little story to you is um, there's nothing too small for God to work with. Um, If you don't think you could do talk radio or you don't think you could run for Congress or you don't think you could do this or that or get up in a public forum and speak, Um, There are no less than a hundred things that you could do to forward right over wrong. And when we look around and there's just so much cheating and wrong and felonious behavior and and people disseminating known uh, lies and packaging them as truth, um, if God wants you to do something in your little orb and you do it, he will bless you. And when I woke up the next morning and found out that this individual won by seven votes, I smiled. And if I have a smile on my face over a small victory like this in a sea of just crap out there, that's the encouragement I need to keep going. And that's the encouragement you need to keep going. It may be a conversation that you have with um, a neighbor who you've known for years and you've never had the guts to talk about the issues of the day. And they're open to discussing it. They're not rabidly Democrat or Republican, but you know the truth and they don't. And you disseminate the truth. And then they tell you, yeah, I voted for that person. And if they won or lost, it doesn't really matter. You have carried out God's work Um, you have forwarded right over wrong and you should feel good about that. And we all need those small victories, ladies and gentlemen, because when we look up and the first 12 Google searches about election fraud say, nothing's proven, nothing to see here. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your ears. Next issue. That's wrong. And you could feel, you could feel very powerless and helpless and, insignificant if every hour of every day is like that and you just keep looking up and when you get discouraged you look at God and take God's marching orders and he will bless whatever you're doing so I think this is a good time to uh, read the first amendment of the constitution it kind of dovetails very nicely into our first story here This is Amendment 1 of the Constitution of the United States of America. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion 
or, and here's the money line, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble, that's another key line, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And that is a nice entree into uh, a story here in the waning minutes of our show. This uh, story is Churches Fight New Pandemic Shutdowns. And um, this is an ongoing battle that has occurred uh, throughout the last eight months of the pandemic. And some churches have pushed back. Some churches have uh, said, we can't fight this. Other churches have um, the resources to go virtual, which is fine in a short term. Um, the dangers of, of going virtual for a church are you are really courting a lot of young people that um, I, I've talked to pastors in the community, and, and you would be surprised what um, what you or I might consider regular church attendance. Uh, this one particular pastor tells me that is not the definition of regular church attendance anymore. We would think that is every Sunday, right? Logical, deductive reasoning, um, sanity. And he says, no. Um, when people, when I ask that question, do you attend church regularly? Their open and honest answer with a straight face is if they do go one or tw two times a month, then that's regular church attendance. That is not regular church attendance. And um, that's like um, calling that regular exercise. Anything that you need to keep your body and your mind and your spirit healthy has to be done routinely and often. Um, going to church once a month is not regular church attendance. But back to the virtual thing. You know, there's a lot of individuals, if they can't, let's just say in a, in a non-COVID environment, if they can't make it to church, eh, we'll watch a little TV, watch a little church on TV. What happens is when you get comfortable watching church on TV, and I know many of us have to do that now, but when the pandemic uh, is over, and it will be, it's very tempting to just not go back to the routine of getting some nice clothes on, throwing the kids in a car, the discipline of driving to the church, getting your Bible out, listening, taking notes. It's just not there. Um, it, it, it does require some hard work to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you that. And the danger of church done in a virtual manner is 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 just what I articulated. So many of these churches have, have opted for that because they have been told by municipalities that they cannot gather. And again, we, um, we are at a crossroads. Uh, the um, California is, is at the forefront of this and New York. Uh, what a surprise. Uh, Gavin Newsom has, has uh, continually restricted churches. Um, and the churches have petitioned Governor Newsom and said, we will segregate um, our, our population. We will, particularly in California where the weather's nice, we will social distance. We will have 
uh, congregants in the parking lot outside. There will be masks. There will be hand sanitizer. Please let us worship. And the the state, the heavy-handed fist of the state, has violated what I just read to you in the First Amendment and said no. And many of these pastors, uh, particularly um, um, uh, Orthodox Jews in New York as well, have have fought back against this vehemently. And they've used many logical, um, uh, you know, uh, answers to these uh, Orwellian edicts, but none the least of which is they have gone to court and have articulated an argument where it does not make sense that many businesses remain open and can freely um, be relatively close to one another um, if, as long as they have a mask or protesters. Nobody touches protesters and they don't even have masks and they, they break stuff um, and, and harm people. Um, what's with that? And the inconsistency that the state is showing routinely over the course of the last eight months against churches is just a travesty. And they, I, I quote here Senate Minority Leader in California. Um, her name is Shannon Grove. Uh, we desperately need the church to stay open. Suicide, depression, child abuse, isolation, domestic violence, business closures. The church is needed and is essential, especially in this hour. May God raise up his people. So she is calling on uh, church leaders, um, the body of Christ, if you will, in this instance, it is Christians uh, in California, to rise up, assert their First Amendment rights, um, and petition the governor and other authoritarian entities to please let them um, let them meet, let them uh, minister to all the aforementioned uh, social uh, challenges that are facing the body of Christ or Californian citizens. And Gavin Newsom and um, also uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York has just said, no, we will shut you down and we will arrest you if you um, defy our orders. So th this is another instance among thousands nationally of um, politicians, authoritarians, uh, haters of liberty, um, people ignorant to the Constitution, if not hostile towards it, exerting rights that they do not have the right to exert. And the question is, are we as a people going to continue to take this? And the, um, the really sad thing about this is the ease with which we as a society has laid down in many, many of these areas with many, many of these edicts. And it is high time that we fight back. This is Kerr Flewelling, Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.